Welcome to Roaming Returns, a podcast about generating a passive income through investing so that you don't have to wait till retirement to live your passions. We decided to do this time-sensitive bonus episode on bonds because the experts are pounding the table that right now is the time to buy, but we completely disagree with that sentiment and we're going to tell you why when you tune in to this episode. As promised, we're back with the bonds. Bonds. James Bonds. Did you just do the glasses tilt? Yeah. Hey, guys. Uh, This is going to be a quick one. I was looking through like my bond screener and... It's very difficult to find any bonds like I was finding last year. Like last year, I could pick, I had my choice of what industry, what sector, any of that stuff. I could just pick and choose. Like I got a GM one, I got a Milan one, I got an Altria one. I, got, I mean, like we, I was just picking whatever bonds I freaking felt like. Now it is not the case for bonds. I was looking, and the only ones that you can actually kind of pick and choose would be the junk bonds, and you don't really want to do that if you're looking for income. I mean, you can. I'm not saying don't. You can dig through there. Like, uh, technically, Dish Network is a junk bond, and Geo, like the prison ones, a, a junk bond. I mean, there's there's some quality companies in the junk bond status, but you have to do a ton of research, and I'm not sure if you want to do that. Normally, uh, if we add junk bonds to the mix, we have other good bonds to offset the risk. So if we always, can't find the I other always, good bonds, I always have something to offset the risk if I do a. Uh, so right now, there really aren't a lot of good bonds to offset the I risk. found two companies that you could get bonds from through if you want to. Uh, one is Pemex, P-E-M-E-X, um, and the other one is Petroleus Mexicanos. <laughs> Tim's motherhood. They both are under the $100 par value. Like You can get, a, you can get one of those uh, Mexicanos ones for like 62 66 and you get a, a Pemex one for like 70 So there's a couple that they – and they have BBB. Um, ratings. If you don't know, know what that means, that means it's decent. It's not great. Like A A A A A A. So you have three A's, two A's, one A's. That's those are the best three t- tiers. So you have the BBB, which is both Petroleus, Mexicanos, and Pemex, but they're a s- couple steps ahead of the junk bonds. So you can get those. Those are the only two I found in all of my research that were quote investment grade bonds that were undervalued. Right now, because everyone's beating the table about bonds. Get bonds being bond. such a good buy. Buy a bond. Buy a bond. We're like, uh, everything's overpriced for bonds. So, if you don't feel comfortable, because they're both in the crude oil thing. So, if you already have, say, you already have a pretty good portion of your portfolio in crude oil, well, that makes literally zero sense to buy bonds in crude oil. So, what I did is I found some ETFs that kind of like pool a bunch of uh bonds together and they give you a dividend uh the best ones are mfhvx that's a high yield one it has a small um, market cap and it has a almost a 10 percent yield so that's cool um what was the other one i found the other one i found was crdox which is six circles credit opportunity it's another high yield bond but that one has a pretty that one's like so what i would do this one has a 3.3 billion market cap, whereas the other one had a 91 million market cap. So I would basically do a, like a 60-40, 70-30 split between the one that has a 70% and the one that has 3.3 billion and 30% in the little tiny one. The reason for that is the little tiny one's going to be harder to get in and out of. So you don't want to have a bulk of your position in something that only has a $91 million um, market cap because those are 
sometimes very difficult to get out of. And liquidity can really, really eat into your profits when it comes time to buy or sell. Yes, because you're going to be paying more because there's only like six people that have it. And you're going to be selling for less because, again, there's only like six people trying to buy it. Whereas opposed to the $3.3 billion one, you have millions of people that want it and millions of people that are selling it. That's why liquidity matters in that regard. It's not that one is better than the other. It's just that people are greedy. And if there's only 10 people selling, they're going to collude amongst themselves and be like, well, we're not going to sell for less than this. Whereas if there's 100 million people selling, then you have a better chance of getting the price that you like. For the ETFs, that's basically it. I don't really like uh, ETFs when it comes to bonds because if you do a little bit of research, you can find a ton of closed-ended funds that deal with bonds, and they are banging. And they can you you literally can just go into their homepage and you can say, "Oh, this one's twelve percent under NAV value, so I'm getting a twelve percent discount." The only time I really, really, really beat the table about closed-ended funds is if you're specifically looking for MLPs, energy. Or bonds, because they are the best ones to actually get. Do you have some examples of those closed-ended funds for the bond category? Yes. DSL and DLY, they're both in the same company, double line. Um, One yields 10.8%, one yields 9.5%. That's pretty good. Um, They're both under NAV price right now. And then the PEMCO ones are always like the one that we're in that I've told people in my emails is PDI. It's really well ran um, bond fund and it yields 14%. And then it has a sister one that's called PDO that yields 12%. They're literally like the double, like the double line ones. They're from the same company. So they're going to have a lot of the same um, holdings. But at the, the most important thing is they both have the exact same strategy. Like they just, it's, it's simple. So you can pick and choose which one you like one, like PDI is, 18 something whereas pdo is like 12 something so you probably if it was me just buying now i do pdo because you're going to get more for your x amount of dollars that you're investing you're going to get a smaller dividend yield but you're going to get more shares and because they're monthly dividend payers the more shares you can get is better because you can compound quicker the rule of compounding more frequency is better whereas if i was investing in the double line ones i would actually go for dsl because it costs less and it yields more it costs 12 something and dly is like 15 something and dly has the 9.4 percent yield and the sl has the almost 11 percent yield so that one i actually would go i would get the higher yielding one well, they're both hot. The one I'd get behind. No, I'd go for that one. It's lower yielding. So this one, I'd actually go for the higher yielding one because of the, the metrics. Then if you're doing bonds, you don't want to just stick to American bonds. And the reason I really like uh, closing the funds is because you can literally go into a screener and type in, I want emerging markets or I want uh, the, the Indian market or I want the Asia market. And they actually will have closing the funds that specifically will purchase bonds from that location that you're interested in the the two that come to mind that i would uh, look at would be awf and emb awf is a global one it, like they just pull bonds from everywhere so it's going to have some american bonds but it's going to have some european it's going to have some asian it's going to have some african and then the emb is the uh, emerging markets that one's specifically to emerging markets so it's not going to have american or european it's going to have the smaller ones so why is that diversification of location important because there's a 
because not all the global markets move in, in symphony, symphony with each other. Like when there's going to be a year where American markets like last year were awesome, but Asian markets weren't that good. So if you diversify into the Asian markets, you're going to probably get some upside in that one in the years that uh, the American market sideways are down. So you're looking at this from a longer term holding yeah, perspective? these are... Because what I was going to iterate or interject here is that the reason bonds are becoming popular is because people are anticipating interest rates to be decreased, meaning bonds are going to get locked in at the current rate if they buy them now, as opposed to waiting to buy them for the interest rate change. So that's why everybody's jonesing. They're like late to the game. They're late to the game in two, two regards. The first is the interest rates, like because the interest rates are anticipated to go down in 2024. People are starting to pour into bonds because they know when the interest rates go down, bonds usually generally go up. Same with REITs, same with BDCs. Um, if you follow us, you know that we're contrarian value investors. And the reason that I like the contrarian approach of that whole big long sentence that's us is because while everybody was in their pants, not willing to buy bonds and REITs and stuff like that, we were picking up the best ones because everybody was selling. So we were well positioned months ahead of this nonsense that's going on right now. And we have evidence to prove that that was a great decision because almost all the bonds that we got, we got a 20, 30% increase in value on top of consistent coupon payments yes. throughout the entire period. So we got, so like as soon as people started pouring into bonds, it shot the prices of bonds up. So if you were holding bonds in anticipation because every, everything's cyclical, like if bonds go down, they're going to go up at some point. Well, and the other risk that you have with potentially buying bonds too late is them calling them back. We actually just had one that had a callback, right? Had we, you bought it. We did, yes. Had you bought it recently and they did a callback, you could have very well lost money. If you don't follow your um, discipline and buy under value. Yeah. Like if you would have bought it closer to par value and they did a callback, because if you think about it from a business perspective, they sh they would want to call back their higher interest bonds to then re, um, reapply for loans or, or funding what they do through is lower price. They called back interest. all of their bonds that they were paying 7% on. And I'm pretty sure at some point this year, they're going to issue a bunch of new bonds, maybe not equal to what they called back, but it's going to be comparable to what they called back at like 6%. So they're going to save one percentage point. Which adds up if you have a lot of money on interest. Anybody with credit cards knows that's that 1% makes a big difference. So that is why you never buy for more than 100 because bonds could be called at any point after a certain date. It says in the like when you're researching them, it'll say callable date. You always have to pay attention to callable date because that means they literally can just say we're taking them back. And if you say you spent 103, so you spent you overspent by 3%. Well, you're losing that 3% because they, they call them back. back at par. Yeah. Okay, so that is uh, now one area that I would, um, if you are older and closer to retirement, I would actually also buy some uh, municipality bond funds, only because they're tax free. You're gonna, ha you're gonna, your your um, dividend yield is gonna be lower, but you're not gonna have to pay tax on it, so it's actually higher. Well, this doesn't really matter if you have your money in a retirement account because you're kind of that doesn't matter. Because if you're in a Roth, it's not taxed on profits anyway. And if you're in a tax-deferred traditional, then you pay tax later indefinitely anyway. 
I mean, I don't actually know how the munis would be factored in. I don't think, you, I don't long think you, pay, you pay taxes on the muni bonds, even if you're in one where you just tax deferred. Well, it's just a good option to consider, especially if you're outside of a retirement account. I'm not exactly sure. We'd have to probably get more expert. Because I have three of them and they yield 4.6, 4.6 and 5.2. So the, the yields are obviously you can see are dramatically lower than the bond funds. and the But if you market factor funds. in the tax aspect. But if you're not paying tax on them, they're going to jump up to about 7% and 8% tax when it, rate. When it comes all said and done. So that isn't that's like a behind the scenes increase you have to kind of like try to make it apples to apples to compare those apples i don't care <laughs> well, i'm just saying like if you look at that and you're like oh that's a really low interest rate it's not really so three of them are nea nad and nenzf those are the three muni, muni, muni bond closing in funds they trade for around 11 dollars. like i said it's 4.6 4.6 and 5.2 yield so the yield's not too much, but it's tax free, and they're they're generally are very um, calm. They're not volatile usually. Well, and the other thing I like about the funds is that they have lower price points. You could buy a lot more shares as opposed to buying a bond individually, where they have the thousand dollar purchase price. Well, there's two. There's two frames. Uh, there's two frames of thought. I was just reading an article by one of the authors that I have been following for like four years, and he said he doesn't ever recommend bond funds. He always recommends individual funds because, A, you don't have to worry about um, dividend yield fluctuations at all. Like with these funds, they can cut their dividend if they need to. Mm. And like if you buy a bond, you know you're getting X percent per year. So you can actually make adjustments. So I mean, from that regard, if you're like a if you're a strictly um, fixed income retirement person, where you need to know exactly how much you're getting every month, then bonds would make more sense than a bond fund. Agreed. But other than that, like that's all he said. That's the only reason he doesn't recommend bond funds. And it's like, well, okay. So if I was a fixed income person, I would um, basically just buy what's best. And if I have to kind of um, forecast what I'm going to get down the road, so be it. I just want what's best value, best entry price, most um, liquidity, less uh, volatility. So I don't really care too much about that. Whereas bonds have been going kind of crazy the last month. Like there's one, like one day they're up 3% and then they're down 2%. So they're going all over the place. That shows high interest, high, high uh, volume, high interest. That's usually when volatility spikes around. So and that, if there's nothing available that's good, we don't buy, right? If we don't have stuff that meets our criteria, we do not shoehorn things. Well, I was just looking because there is going to be a, a point this year when that's going to be a problem for not just us, but a lot of investors. And I'm every uh, well, I know Vanguard and Schwab. I don't know. I can't say every brokerage, but Vanguard and Schwab have uh, money market accounts that you can literally just dump your extra cash into the money market and make 5.5% until you feel like pulling it out. Uh, I would rather do um, bullet shares, but I mean, that's an option money market because there's like literally no volatility whatsoever in that. But we'd rather buy that than buy a under a bond that is not meeting our metrics just because we want to own bonds. Yes, you have to be very disciplined. Like that's one thing that I just mentioned in an email uh, recently. Like if you are like I am in my um, personal life, <laughs> I'm very uh, undisciplined when it comes to like, oh, I can do that or that looks fun. Let's do that. 
So if you're like me, where you're kind of like scattered all over the whole uh, spectrum of discipline, whenever it comes to your personal life, you need to actually establish a very disciplined and pragmatic approach to investing that you follow, regardless of what your personal life does. If you do that, you're good. If you let your personal life, how you just kind of like, ah, and you do that with your investing, that's bad. That's how you lose money. Yeah. So if you're going to uh, apply discipline to one area in your life, do it for your investing. If you know me, like um, hopefully at some point down the road, some of you guys will meet me. I am very um, non-disciplined outside of investing. <laughs> so <laughs> Tim's favorite, favorite line is YOLO. YOLO and learn by doing. Learn by doing. I love to just learn by doing. Just set me down somewhere and let me just tinker with stuff and I'll figure it out. And if not, then I'll think I won't. And I'll be like, I'm bored. <laughs> Screw this. Then he's like, fix this. I broke it. Yeah. So <laughs> I hate when you do that. Yeah, and I was looking like because I was specifically interested in utility company bonds and I couldn't find any under like 111. Oh, wow. That's crazy overpriced. Yeah. Wow, wow, wow. Because I do believe this year is going to well, be. I think that points to you to we, us preemptively picking the right sectors ahead of time, doesn't it? Yeah, I was looking at energy and I was looking at utilities because I, I think 2024 is going to be a very good year for utilities and a um, pretty good year for energy. We're going to do that in the other episode. Don't go too far down that rabbit hole. So I was looking at bonds for those and they were very, very, very high. And I've made the mistake. The reason that I'm actually pretty confident speaking about bonds is because I've made the mistake of buying like a bond at 116 Mm -hmm. and getting really good, uh, really, really good um, coupons. But then it was either called back and I lost everything that I made. Because it was called back and I lost like 10%. Once you burn yourself once, you will do that again. Because people, like bond traders are quite uh, astute. I think they can actually identify like when you're trying to sell something before it's been called. Like they're going to really uh, lowball you because they know you got it overpriced. So when I was trying to like sell it on the secondary market, it was it was trading at like 112. And I was trying to sell it for like 110, 111, 112. And like the best I was getting was like 103. Holy crap. So it's like they knew. Because mm, so, it is a supply and demand thing. That's why I really like some of the ones that I was seeing. Like those, 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 some of those Petros ones were really good. They were like 68. And I'm like, I wouldn't generally like, mm, uh, they had a Petros Mexicanos for 6.75 through 2047. So 6.75% is your coupon per year that you're making on the money you invest in it. It's trading at 64, 66. So that means it's 35 plus percent undervalued. So I would get like those are the ones that I love because you can get those and the price goes up eventually. So while you're waiting for it to go up, it is you're collecting pretty, pretty cool, uh, pretty cool yields. Like I think I, I think there's an even a better Mexicanos one. Hold on one sec. Bear with me. Tim loves his Mexican stuff. It's not that I love it. It's just I like good deal no i know i'm just making fun of you because we always joke about the whole fact that tim's got mexican heritage but he's the whitest pastiest person you'll probably ever meet yeah there was a there's a petrol petrolos mexicanos 10 percent, and it goes through 2033 and it's trading like this is probably the one that i would get it is at 98.33 so you're not getting a lot of appreciation on your um entry price compared to that but you're getting 10 percent for 10 years nine years 
and that's cool. And there's a forward one that's uh, 9.98%, but see, like, do you see the difference? That mm-hmm. one's 132.46. Yeah, that's crazy. And it has a lower uh, credit score. Like the, the forward one I'm looking at is 9.98 uh, coupon yield through 2047. It's trading at 132.46, and it has a BBB minus credit rating, whereas the Petrolas Mexicanos is 10% through 2033, so it's what, 14 years less. You're getting it at 98.33, so that's 33% less. Yeah, and it that's has, a big it, difference. It has Holy a be- crap. It has a better credit rating of a BBB. So you do need to um, pay attention to the S&P credit rating and the Moody credit rating. Mean For you as an investor, it doesn't mean much. But for them as a company, the difference between a BBB minus and, say, a BBB plus is probably two to three percentage points when it comes to them borrowing money. The difference between a BBB and a BBB minus is probably another, again, another one to two percent. So like, that's why I would do the Petrolas Mexicanos one. Even if, even if the numbers were identical, I would still do the Petrolas Mexicanos ones because it actually has a better S&P rating. So there you go on that one. But you see there's some like the Geo Group. That's a really big prison one. Uh, Neviant, that's where I had my student loans through until they sold them. That's a pretty big student loan company, but it only has a B plus. Like it's a, it's garbage credit rating. Ford's like I said, BBB minus. Uh, Goodyear's only a B plus. If you know Goodyear's tires, so like, oh, huh, that's interesting. That company's that low. Yeah, they're 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 trash when it comes to lending. And there's the there's the one of the Pmexes, but that one there is still overpriced. It's one hundred one seventy two. Like the highest. Highest I would ever go on a bond, you'd actually have to bust out like a like a calculator and do some um, calculations. My nerdy, you yeah. do like if you're getting According to my calculation. If you're getting nine, say you suppose you're getting nine percent, but you're overpaying by two percent. Well, whenever you go to sell, you're not going to get anything lower than what you're selling for. So you're at seven percent. Does that make sense? Because you get nine percent and you're overpaying by two percent. So like you're at seven percent to start with. Mm-hmm. And if the price goes up. You're going to sell it like you might be able to shrink that down to like maybe 8%, but like the highest I would ever go is like 100.5. And that's only if it typically sells way higher than that, right? That's like if it's 10, 11, 12% yeah. coupon rate. If you look at some of the blue chips, you're getting like 104 for like a 4% coupon rate. And that's stupid. That's just, that's just like if you want to give money away, you can give it to me. I'm cool. <laughs> Yeah, we'll take that, buddy. You're oh, so I'm lose. saying like that. You're literally just giving money away. Anytime you overpay for a bond, you're giving money away. Just like if you overpay for a stock, like generally speaking, you're just giving money away. So that's that's the bonds. Like I, I gave you plenty of uh, closing of funds that I would actually uh, buy more than bonds right now. If you're going to do bonds, you're going to have to do junk bonds. I saw a couple um, municipality ones, but they were only at like four percent. So if you want to do a min- like a, an individual. Um, muni. muni bond, you're going to get 4% as opposed to the 5 or 6% you get when you do the actual uh, conglomerate, the fund the fund version. So that's up to you. And then the agency one, I've seen a couple agencies at like 6%, but th- it was nothing like this. Like um, I wish we went into more detail back when I was buying the bonds at the beginning of 2023, but we actually weren't even recording at that point. We'll do that. We'll actually do that the next time bonds become a good buying strategy. When they when things pivot, because like I was buying bonds at the end of 2022 and the beginning of 2023, and I dude, you were just buying whatever whatever the hell you wanted to. It was like candy. 
It was dirt. Sunshine rainbows. It was dirt cheap. And like I was holding some of them I held for like six months. Some were like a, a year. Some were like three weeks. Like you literally could just buy a bond at like 68 cents and then sell it like three weeks later at like 80 cents. So you made like 11% in like a week or two. It was fantastic. Yeah, that's crazy. And that's those are that's a heck of a freaking increase. And you're expecting a stock to go up that percent. Like you could do the same thing with bonds if you just buy at the right time. The problem with that is the reason people invest in stocks more than bonds is because stocks have more more window of opportunity like that. Whereas bonds, this is what we just went through. I'm assuming happens maybe once a decade where everything, no matter how good the company is, is on sale. I think that happens like once a decade. So hopefully uh, you guys are still listening the next time (laughs) within within the next 10 years, this happens where you can just get like. But there's cheap. still going to be bond buying opportunities, even if it's not that steep of a. But not like that. Right? Dude, people were like, if you were a bond trader, you were making millions of dollars because yeah. it was just it was so easy. It's like whenever you're investing, I'm not sure if you uh, how long you guys have been investing, but like with the last bull market, like no matter what stock I picked, it was up by like 20 percent within like a month or two. Mm-hmm. Like that's how this bond stuff was going. Whenever it finally turned from everyone, all the scaredy pants had sold out, and then it was people buying them. Was it scaredy pants or is it people that saw other opportunities elsewhere? So they just like jump ship? No, it was scaredy pants. Oh, okay. Like they were like, oh my God, the interest rates are going to go up forever, which won't happen. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, the interest rates are going to go up forever. So I had to get rid of all my bonds. I'll take them for a loss as long as I, because they wanted, they were so focused on getting their money into cash, which I've been reading report after report after report, like the last um, nine months, like five years ago. When they said put your money in, like you want to have a dry, uh, uh, what is it called, dry powder cash fund, mm-hmm. that's not the case anymore. Holding your money in cash is stupid. You're not making anything on your cash if you hold it in cash. So that's just dumb. You have to put it in stuff. But that's a whole other topic. All right. So that is the bond update. The bond update and the bond funds, closing the funds. They're the way to do bonds right now. So we just wanted to give you that because they're everybody, every expert's pounding the table on buying bonds and we do not agree. Don't buy. Don't buy if you... Unless you do like... Unless you absolutely need to have that diversification in your portfolio for whatever reason. If you do a screener and you find one that's like 68 cents or 68, $68 out of 100, then okay, maybe. Stick to the metrics and that'll create the margin of safety that you need to ensure profit gains when things turn. That's that. All right, guys. We'll see you in a couple days when we do a Reason That Tim Is Bullish podcast. Even though the whole beginning of this year has been like, crash and burn, crash and burn, crash and burn. So. Yeah, it's fine. Yes. So yeah, we'll explain exactly why Tim's ultra bullish for this year. While a lot of other people are very, very. Uh, They're calling for a recession, this, blah, blah, the end of the world, that. That's just the same different day. All right, guys. See you next episode.